Well, I think sustainability is becoming table stakes. And the reason that I really think the momentum is real and is not going to result in greenwashing, but in actual impact is because the investors are getting involved. I really think every organization, every individual needs to define what that sustainability means to him or her or the organization. And that will be your North Star and I think is a starting point and a framework to develop to say, hey, how can we do better? It's benchmarking. Redwood Classics is so special and so different. And that really culminated in this impact report. Welcome to the Promo Kitchen podcast. We are really excited this week to have the fabulous Redwood team and guests to cover something that they've done that's really important. Recently, Kathy Chang and her team have released what they're calling their impact report for 2021. And it breaks down everything that they've been doing over the past years on multiple levels. And rather than get it wrong, I'm going to let them explain it. I'm Kate Plummer, the co-chair of Promo Kitchen. I'm joined with Johanna Gottlieb, our chair of Promo Kitchen, and Kathy Chang and others, her whole team that made this happen. Because as everyone knows, good things don't happen alone. So we're going to start with Kathy just kind of explaining, can you let everyone know for those who haven't seen it, what is your impact report and what does it cover? What sort of motivated you for doing this? Thank you so much for having us here. We're super excited to share and hopefully we can kind of share our process and how we came about. Essentially, our impact report is a summary and a detail of a decade of our sustainability. If you may or may not know, everything we do is made in Canada, proudly made in Canada, North American soil, which is a bit of a unique attribute in this industry. Having said that, we really wanted to showcase and really set a baseline to aspire other businesses, regardless of the size. If you're big or you're small, we wanted to showcase and really put to light what are the steps that you can take to make an impact with your business, not necessarily just from a sustainability standpoint. And also, I think it was important for us to really define what sustainability means to us as an organization, as a company. And so we broke it down in three pillars, one of them being the people. So what does sustainability mean to us is, you know, the people and our commitment to a diverse workforce and really diversity in our business. Also planet, so the environmental footprint, which again to us is made in Canada. In the report, we talk about how approximately 70% of the fabric we consume is knitted within 100 miles radius of us. So environmental footprint, and then also prosperity and prosperity of just really fostering made in North America value chain to support our local communities. You didn't do this by yourself because I know how busy you are. Can I have everyone kind of introduce who you are? And what your role in the impact was? What did you contribute to it? And how did you work on it? So we can start with the actual Redwood team of Ashley and go for Ashley, PJ, Katie, and then Jasmine. Right. Thank you. Hi, I'm Ashley, and I'm the Administrative and Sustainability Specialist at Redwood Classics Apparel. Part of what I do is to help manage Kathy's schedule and keeping her (laughs) on track on when she needs to be where. Aside from that, I also support the company with sustainability initiatives from an operational lens, which is further defined into, as Kathy mentioned earlier, our pillars of the three Ps, people, planet, and prosperity. So from my end, just to make it more personal to what I do, in terms of people, I do help manage the team with diversity aspects. 
I also represent the company by attending various diversity events. From the planet aspect, I help develop and manage our textile waste diversion program, where essentially we donate textile waste and fabric scraps to establish partnerships from businesses beyond the fashion industry. And the goal of this is really to help prevent textiles from hitting our landfills through constant new and innovative ways. And lastly, prosperity is just really keeping us all together as we strive for continuous improvement and commitment to creating a more sustainable future. As for my role specific to the impact report, I was the assistant producer, if you may. I helped gather and collected data from the last 10 years and putting all the pieces together, such as total procurement spent with women and minority-owned businesses, the total value chain jobs supported, such as suppliers from local knitting mills, textile dyers, and textile decoration companies. Also, local knit production output through our commission knit program that was launched in 2013. And also, I helped with the awards and recognition that Kathy and Redwood Classics have achieved over the past decade. So throughout my journey of contribution to bringing the impact report to the finish line with the team, I've definitely learned a lot of new information about the company that I did not previously know, and also just gaining a lot more knowledge about this industry as I go. So yeah, that's my role, PJ. Hi, my name is PJ. I am the Marketing and Design Coordinator at Redwood Classics Apparel. I'm quite new. I just finished my third month here. So to take on the impact report right off the gate was quite interesting. I was the main designer for this report. I visually laid it out. And like I said earlier, being that I kind of got put into this project and introduced into this project within, I would say, my first month and a half or two months of being employed at Redwood, it was quite an intimidating project to step my foot into as I felt like I wasn't fully involved within the company and I felt like I didn't quite understand its voice or the brand itself, to be perfectly honest. But with that being said, having the impact report be the first really big thing, it did make me feel super involved as soon as I started. I felt like through the process of it, I really challenged my design thinking ability in the sense that I was in a completely new space with really not the information or context that I would typically or normally be used to having. And in that sense, I kind of had to do my own sort of researching and own sort of deep diving into being able to understand the brand and the voice in an in-depth way to be able to execute this project well and be able to design, think a solution that would not only look pretty and be, yes, a nice report, but also be able to tell the narrative and the story and emulate the voice visually with the impact report. And of course, with that, learning more about the company, it made me feel really, really connected right away within my three months. It made me feel like I really knew the company, like I knew Kathy and Redwood and the moral compass behind Redwood. Well, if anyone hasn't seen it, it is beautiful. I can't imagine starting so fresh and having the learning curve of such a strong brand identity, as well as, I guess what we're doing, it's brand new. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Redwood itself has such a strong story. And it's so deep and so like heartwarming and heartfelt. And like Kathy said, it aspires others to do better. So I really wanted to do it justice. 
in the way that it was presented visually in order to have people connect. That's fantastic. So Katie, next to you, what is your bio and what was your role in the impact report? Great. Thanks, Kate. I'm a consultant and I run my own firm, Shift Circular, and I advise clients on circular and inclusive business models and strategies. I'm a chemical engineer by training, and I've spent about half my career in sustainability consulting and about half my career in economic inclusion. And that includes supplier diversity, which is how I met Kathy quite a few years ago. So on this project in particular, my role was Kathy asked me to join the team to really advise them on some of the environmental and social indicators that were material for Redwood Classics as they thought through how to best demonstrate their amazing journey over the past 10 years and the substantial impact they've had. And so together we determined how to collect the relevant data. And as Ashley described, she put a lot of work into pulling all that data together. And then really my role was to analyze it and put together the first draft of the report for the team. That's amazing. If anyone hasn't seen it, there is the amount of detail that is in there and the scope of all the fingers of production. It was well done. Thank you. And Jasmine, last but definitely not least, can you let us know who you are and what was your role in the impact report? Yes. So I'm Jasmine Bullman. I recently founded my own consulting company called Misfit Marketing Consultancy. I have known Kathy and have been working with her for about eight years. And my specialty is in storytelling and building a narrative around a brand that is authentic and helps them to stand out in a crowded marketplace. And that's sort of what we've been doing with Redwood Classics over the past seven, eight years that we have been working together is building this story of who Kathy is and who the family is and how Redwood Classics is so special and so different. And that really culminated in this impact report. I have seen the company grow and Kathy grow so much over the time that I've been working with them. It was really, really interesting and made me very proud actually to see it all come together in this beautiful report. So my role in the report was really, I kind of came in last because I specialize in storytelling. Essentially, I took the report and I didn't rewrite it by any stretch of the imagination, but what I did was I crafted it so it sounded more like Redwood. So it sounded more like the brand that we had built. And I think that we were able to present this, you know, statistical information in a way that was really compelling And of course, really beautiful the way that PJ designed it. So my role was to, in a way, humanize the information, make it easily digestible, easily shareable, but also still sound like Redwood. We wanted someone to read the report and to know immediately that this is Redwood Classics and Kathy. So that was really my role in the project. It's Johanna, guys. I have to say, in listening to all of you speak, it's incredible how in sync you are. And as a leader at a company, I would only hope our employees are so in sync and have the same vision and a clear vision because it's not always easy to have that. And some of you mentioned how long or how not long you've been at Redwood. And so you've all really (laughs) done a really good job of creating this vision and sharing that. So good job there. The report, as Kate mentioned, is really wonderful and something that I think 
startled a lot of people in our industry and maybe perhaps made them think twice about what they should be doing and really did stir up some wonderful conversations. For you, and I'll really let any of you jump in and answer this, what was the motivation behind doing this? I'm sure it took a lot of work. It took a lot of time and research. What was the motivation for you in creating this and putting this together to share? I can jump in. It's Kathy here. It's one of Kathy's crazy ideas. Kathy has a lot of ideas. <laughs> oh, you're our Kate. That's our Kate. We have one of those normal kitchen. <laughs> I have a lot of ideas. And really, I wanted to be able to show that we're not just talking the talk, but we want to quantify our walk. And quite honestly, again, to say, hey, if a small supplier like us, if a small company like us can make just this little bit of an impact, what can you do if you're a large organization? That to us was really important. And I think that's always been the starting point is how do we quantify what we say publicly and not just talk about it? So validate, validate what we've been doing, I guess, in a synopsis and a report that hopefully will also be a tool that our distributor partners can also use. So walk the walk and talk the talk. That's right. Perfect. Yeah, you're setting a bar for the rest of us here, Kathy. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to add to that question, if I may. Please. I was just launching Shift Circular and had recently come back into the country from living and working overseas for a few years. And so I hadn't seen Kathy for a while. And as we were catching up, I was chatting about sort of my new goal of merging sustainability and economic inclusion. And so I already knew Kathy's amazing passion and commitment to supplier diversity, not only you know in her own business, but in a much broader role of advocacy and really bringing it to the broader promotional products industry and other industries as well. And I had no idea that Kathy was also committed to some of the sustainability aspects, including really showcasing what circular means. It's not a word that necessarily resonates with everyone. And so to speak with Kathy and to learn that Redwood was putting upcycling into action and creating really value-added products for their brands, for Kathy's clients, using circular principles, that was really my motivation to support Kathy on this initiative because you know, they're doing a lot. And more importantly, they're showing the practical value, but also the ability to put circular concepts into action and reduce waste. In talking about reducing waste, the data in this is really interesting about what you measure and how you put the metrics in. So what did it take to gather all this information? You have here that you recycled like 100 metric tons of cardboard and did all this. Are you crawling through the garbage to get this information? Is Ashley in an emotional state where she can talk about this? Like, how did you, like, what standards did you put for it? How did you get it? And you can cover all the information or if you're just like, I really need to talk about the cardboard here. (laughs) Yeah, the cardboard was. (laughs) Ashley, why don't you start Um, with this? Yeah, I could, I know our commission knit program that is detailedly outlined in our impact report as well. We had to go back 10 years of data, and basically this program focuses on minimizing fabric waste by enabling quick turnaround with local knit suppliers and partners. 
which allows our partners to adopt new fabrication without having to overuse inventory, therefore minimizing waste. My job and role in this was to help collect and gather those information based on the weight and then uh, passed it on over to Katie, who is the analyzation and sustainability expert who really made the data and quantified them and made it into the report. And apart from that, going into our textile waste diversion program, it was established as of June of last year. This program is pretty much about us donating fabric scraps to established partnerships that are beyond our fashion industry for them to just use it as stuffings for pillows, poofs, and so forth. And how the data was measured in this instance is based on a number of factors, such as the approximate size of bag, the weight of each bag, and the number of bags collected per trip whenever our partners will come and pick up those scraps, and also based on the type of fabrication, which is typically off-jersey fabrication that we regularly run. And so over the course of eight months, we've managed to divert over 7,200 pounds of fabric scraps for our partners to reuse them for other purposes. And it's probably more now, (laughs) not counting, but I know it's more. (laughs) So yeah, those are some of the ways we've been working towards minimizing waste and helping the environment in terms of sustainability aspects. Also, we upcycle excess and leftover fabrics. So any excess fabrics that were used by the cutting department, we would reuse them and add interest to packages that are being sent to our customers. Hey, Johanna, I don't know if you got your package at your PK sweatshirt. I'm desperately looking out the window every five minutes for it. But Kate, maybe you can attest, like, you know, as an example, when we do our e-commerce, when we package out our e-commerce, so when we gifted you with the PK sweatshirt, the crew neck, I don't know if you recall, we used textile diversion and we used textile waste, really, which was a placket, right, of a shirt yeah, to wrap and just really to utilize the textiles wherever we can. And that was one of the ways it was cute packaging. And we felt that it was a reflection of our brand and our circular efforts that we want to take. Unless we're not going to be in this business, and in my humble opinion, unless we don't live, we are damaging the earth. What we're trying to do here is slow it down. So we're trying to slow down the impact as opposed to saying we're not making any negative impact. Yeah. And it's amazing that way. I'll be very clear and transparent here. A lot of my wardrobe is a Redwood outfit. I think I've made it my Steve Jobs outfit, basically. And and it just messaged me for my favorite top. But it is one of those things is that you put that care into your packaging, into making sure that you're not wasting materials when you have them floating around already. So it's instead of taking it and letting it become scrap, it becomes a very beautiful functional item there. And so I'm really interested in this. I love the idea of actually having to weigh every bag that goes out. So what did that kind of take for you? Was it just like she's not. <laughs> so we have industrial, obviously industrial weights here as well, like scales. So I mean it's a large flat platform and so Ashley's kind of managed to to coordinate with our cutting department as well. So they know, and we do have weekly pickups, right? They're all pre-scheduled pickups. So we know approximately how many bags and our partners, our waste diversion partners can only take X number of bags anyways. 
and their consumption. So we've kind of worked that out. In the beginning, it was a little rough. We were just trying to figure it out ourselves. But just like anything else that's new, right? You need to put in the effort and establish a framework. And that's what we did. I would say similar to, you know, what Ashley was saying, helping Katie gather the data. That's Katie. I mean, you can speak to this, but you really help guide us to develop the framework to even gather the information, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really try to look at what's the relevance and what's the story that Redwood wants to tell. And then what data points can we find to support that? Ashley did a lot of extra work that she didn't cover, but really some of it's not very sexy, but it's... (laughs) pulling bills. Like this was a 10 year journey that we wanted to be able to establish. And, you know, we couldn't find 10 years of data for every indicator, but really Ashley pulled a lot of bills for water and for energy and electricity. And we also had to do a lot of thinking as a team about how to demonstrate the effectiveness of the commission knit program in terms of building up opportunity in the local supply chain and also yeah creating jobs by importing yarn instead of finished material from overseas and so that was a lot of brainstorming together to say how are we going to demonstrate that and making sure we had hard data to justify the very real claim that Kathy was mentioning about what was it Kathy 70% in a 100 mile radius Yeah, we averaged out 70%. I mean, some of the stuff, I was really surprised myself. I knew we were doing something. So I would say as a result of this project, one of the things that I really personally got out of it was it crystallized what we were doing. Because I knew we were taking all these steps and we were making these investments. But to be able to quantify the actual impact, that was the biggest, actually, that wasn't the biggest reward. I would say, as you had mentioned, Johanna, how aligned our team was and how well we worked. I think to me, that was the biggest reward and how we all learned from it. But to know at the end, what we quantified is indeed what we were doing. So I guess proving to ourselves that we aren't just talking the talk, but actually are walking the walk and have good data to prove that we are walking the walk. To me, that was very, very fulfilling. That does take time. I mean, that's part of the process, educating your team. You know, we talk about elevator pitches at access and how to present access to your clients. And now that we're part of Halo, that's another discussion. But yeah, I imagine that would take a lot of time for you to educate your team. And you did a really good job. I'm going to ask you a question about the pandemic and how that's has affected any of your efforts. You know, this is clearly something that's very important to Redwood. And I commend you for that because I think for me as a distributor about 11 years ago, eco was the thing. Eco was a big thing. Everybody wanted eco, eco notebooks, eco bags. It was the buzzword. And everybody wanted eco until they saw the price tag that was associated with that. Because at that time, the price tag was a little bit higher than other products. And then years passed and sustainable is what became the buzzword. And now that's the buzzword. And while that's happening, we are living in a pandemic. How has the pandemic affected any of your efforts? Has it that to do in a positive manner and a negative manner. I would imagine the way that your shipping is tremendously increased through the pandemic as we're doing more drop ships and things like that. Has the pandemic played any role in any of your efforts around this? For us, actually, we're not drop shipping that much. Maybe we're fortunate, <laughs> but that's not something we're doing quite a bit of. And really, when we are, I mean, for us, a lot of it is shortened time. It's made in North America, right? Maybe you haven't been affected by other vendors that their dropships have increased 800%. 
in other areas, how has the pandemic affected any efforts you're putting out towards sustainability? For us, we're always looking at the UN Sustainable Development Goals. So within the UN Sustainable Goals, number three is good health and well-being. And so during the height of the pandemic, actually, this report was supposed to be published last year because we are doing a snapshot of 2009 to 2019. So the data points are gathered between these 10 years. So the intent was to publish it in 2020, but we got hit with the pandemic. And quite honestly, once the pandemic happened, this is where I'm going to talk a little bit about diversity. A number of our makers and myself were of Asian descent. And if you recall with SARS, we've had a bit of an experience. So we actually started quarantining some of our makers that were coming back from the holidays all the way back in December 2019. So with that, when things did shut down and we shut down ourselves as well, we were also making non-medical grade reusable premium masks for our own makers as well as our local supply chain. And this was before CDC or Health Canada announced that, you know, everyone wearing a mask would really help minimize the spread. So during the shutdown, we actually had a small volunteer crew when we found out that trade was disrupted. People were having challenges finding even non-medical grade PPEs. And our crew, our volunteer crew just stepped in and we ended up making non-medical grade reusable masks to donate to our local communities. And through that, really quickly, in less than a week, we put together a philanthropic program where for every set of masks that we sold online in our B2C channel, we would donate back to the communities. And it was really well received. We had a number of Fortune 500 companies that supported and was paying retail. They were paying like basically retail online pricing. So then they can fuel this philanthropic program. And we ended up going across Canada. We've donated over $100,000, $150,000 worth of premium retail masks to some of Canada's most notable medical hospitals, as well as a few Indigenous communities. And it went across Canada, all the way from Yukon to Alberta to Eastern Canada. So that's something that we're really proud of. But that's also what derailed us from focusing on publishing this impact report. Thank you for that. That's amazing about all the focus on health and everything else and all the other sustainable practices that the UN has there. So for Redwood, I know like that amount of waste. And if you dig into the report, it's not just that you recycled waste or you recycled everything. Your efforts kind of went beyond the idea of like, we're recycling, we're greenwashing into very practical. You have a steam boiler where once you replace that, you reduce your use of water by 6%. In doing things like that, what motivated you and what do you see like the future of this being? And this can be for Kathy and Katie and Jasmine, like what innovations do you see out there that make efforts like this easier? Katie, I mean, this is the world you live in, the mental space, and don't be afraid to get nerdy on this. What sort of things that, in the circular sense, like what do people need to think about for sustainability? Well, I think sustainability is becoming table stakes. And the reason that I really think the momentum is real and is not going to result in greenwashing, but in actual impact is because the investors are getting involved. So when you've got the largest investors in the world, putting pressure on major corporations to really talk about how they're meeting their purpose and how they're meeting their 
climate commitments and how we're getting to net zero by 2050 and how they're looking at the circular economy as an example. I think really companies need to look at this as table stakes. And that doesn't mean that they all need to publish a 10-year journey on sustainability, but it does mean that they really need to think about how is my business impacting as contributing to a zero waste future? How are we looking at climate? And can we demonstrate to our clients that we can help them meet their carbon reduction goals? So there's a lot of pieces in this report that there's lots of opportunities for other companies to take advantage of. And some of the innovation that's coming out and sort of simplifying this for other businesses, including other small businesses, is, for example, I brought to Kathy's attention that the World Economic Forum, just in the fall, as we we're completing this, they had managed to bring all four consulting firms together, the largest EY, PwC, Deloitte, and probably Accenture, I think, to put together a set of 21 core metrics so that investors, when they're actually looking at companies, can actually compare equivalent metrics across companies. And it was pretty exciting to see that the metrics that we had chosen for the impact report a year prior actually aligned perfectly with this reduced set of metrics. So companies are thinking about how to start and where to look. They can check out this World Economic Forum white paper really trying to simplify sustainability and what that means. And it really, again, aligns with what Kathy was already saying around planet, people, and prosperity. So there's just a number of spaces that are really driving some of this forward. The circular economy, as we've chatted about a bit as well, is also getting a lot of attention because it's the only way that we're going to look at eliminating the plastic challenge, as well as it's really instrumental in helping meet climate goals. So if we reduce the amount of you know, material that we're extracting from the earth, whether that's fossil fuels for plastic or whether that's metals, et cetera, and we try and reuse that exponentially, then we can really reduce our carbon footprints. So companies are really curious and trying to figure out how to shift their business models from linear to circular. And Kathy gives really some practical examples. Redwood has some really practical examples of how you can build this into your business model over time. And that's only going to grow. It's growing exponentially in Europe because regulations have passed requiring circular commitments and government procurement using recycled materials, plastics, or others. And so North America is going to follow suit, but it's behind the curve, I'd say, from Europe. So those are a couple of areas that kind of showcase that this is going to continue to grow strong. That's amazing. Jasmine, I'm not sure if you want to jump in on this, but from the other companies you see and the writing that you do, have you seen the way people communicate sustainability changing from what it was in the past and sort of a more consciousness about it? Honestly, Redwood is the most sustainable business that I work with, and they're the most concerned about it. With Redwood, where you have a product that's more tangible, sustainability is very important. It's probably really easy for those of us that live and work in a physical product to be able to see the waste and the resources that go into it. Whereas when you work in a less tangible space, like what does that mean? And you've done a beautiful job in writing this. Like, how do you make that breakthrough to people in a way that people care? Part of my job 
is to spend a lot of time online on the internet and on social media and the way that people talk about sustainability and how it's on the forefront of everyone's minds is a big change, even more so than it was even five years ago. People really want to support businesses that are doing things in an ethical and sustainable way. And so with Redwood Classics, it's a no-brainer to really highlight that part of their story because it really resonates with people. And that's what people want to support. They want to support something that's doing good and they don't really care about the price. They want to know that they're putting their dollars towards a company and a product that is trying to make the world a little bit better than how they found it. So, I mean, I've definitely noticed a massive change. I mean, the fact that people think about sustainability at all is still quite new. It's interesting. I talked to a trend writer, Vicky Ostrom, and she said that with product presentations now, sustainability is the main feature. Like it's the advertising point is that it's sustainable versus the whole, I wouldn't be like, yeah, it's sustainable. And sort of the meaning to it has kind of changed. And so Kathy, unfortunately, you're on the forefront of this. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) Fortunately, or unfortunately, I will say this, though, I, I really and I've said this before publicly, but I really think every organization, every individual needs to define what that sustainability means to him or her or the organization. And that will be your North Star. And I think is a starting point and a framework to develop to say, hey, how can we do better? It's benchmarking. So that's why I love the fact that we went through the hard work of quantifying 10 years of data. And now we have a benchmark. And where do we go next? Because everything is about benchmarking. You can't improve without data and benchmarking. Exactly. And it sort of goes into what goals do you set for yourself? Or even when you start to put numbers to things, how you view it change of just sort of when you got a new piece of machinery, did you expect that you'd be able to reduce this much waste? And I think when you start to document it, it shows even more for you. Yeah, I mean, I think like anything else in business, there's a business case. It's just like supplier diversity, there's a business case. Sustainability and environmental impact, there is a business case for all of this. And I think what we're hoping to do is by sharing our story and some of the actions that we've taken, perhaps others can look at creative ways within their organization. And perhaps as an industry, we can level each other up in finding more creative solutions to be responsible businesses. Like for example, one of the case studies we showed was a collaboration where we actually won best in green category for the PPPC awards, where we actually took an already branded umbrella, we deconstructed and gave it a brand new life and maintained the already decorated logo of the umbrella, but then turned it into a pillow. That's something that was unique and innovative. And we know for a fact that those pillows have been sitting in the president's office of this Fortune 500 company. And it meant a lot to them. And sure, they were investing in dollars, but they were investing in dollars to minimize adding things to a landfill, but still be able to protect their own brand. Absolutely. You did what we always try to achieve in promo here. You evoked feelings there, right? You said it means a lot to him. You're evoking feelings. You're telling the story for him. Yeah. Right. I love that. If I could add to that, I think as we've sort of ended the report on sort of some future goals, 
and using the UN SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, as sort of guidelines. I think it's important to, yeah, kind of remind everyone it's a journey, right? Kathy, it's been a journey for Redwood Classics, and you're committed to continuing that journey. And I think that's what's important for every business, no matter what the size is, to sort of recognize that this is a journey. We can start now, and we don't have to be the best in a year from now. We have to start the process. Even leaders in the field like Patagonia have a fascinating impact reports where they actually divulge. We don't know how to solve the microfiber problem that's coming off of our fleece products that are made from recycled plastic. We don't know how to solve that. They've put it out in front. They've said, we're working with partners to try and come up with the solution. We know it's a problem, but we don't know how to solve it. And I think if more businesses sort of put that out there to say, we don't have all the answers, but we do want to collaborate to try and figure it out because we know we need to solve this. You know, I think a lot of industries will move forward more quickly on their sustainability journey. Yeah, absolutely, Katie. Thank you for sharing that because we're far from perfect. You know, I don't want the industry to think we're good because there's so much room for improvement. And I think that's one of the spirit here at Redwood Classics is, you know, operating in the spirit of continuous improvement. And that's really what this report will also do for us in terms of internal benchmarking. It's almost like a Bible saying, hey, guys, this is what we did. And this is where we want to go. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love for each of you to answer, Kate Plummer, you as well. I'd love to hear for you on why it's important for you to support women-owned businesses as well. Yeah, in your report, you have that currently 69% of your factory's procurement spend is with women-owned and minority-owned businesses. And you're a member of women-owned as well as Weeby Canada. And so, Kathy, we'll start with you on sort of why that matters. And then even here, you've employed two women-owned businesses of Shift Circular and Mischief. Yes, that was very intentional. Deliberate and intentional. <laughs> we don't say. <laughs> because we're more than, we're half the population, yet we're not always making the decisions. And I think empowerment is important and socioeconomic empowerment. So in my humble opinion, and just the way that we're operating, we believe that we need to support other marginalized voices so they can also earn a seat at the table. And that's why I really should shut up because I really want everyone else to speak. <laughs> <laughs> I want other voices. That's what we want. A more inclusive environment here. So, I mean, for me, I've been working in tech for the past six years. And the reason that I left to start my own business was because I wanted to be able to work with more women and to help women share their story and find their voice. That was something that I felt I was really missing in that industry. So working with women, supporting women, it's been extremely rewarding for me personally over the past, I'd say, decade of my career. I mean, every mentor I've ever had, including Kathy, they've all been women. And, you know, you really don't get that kind of camaraderie and support elsewhere. So I find that it's extremely rewarding and fulfilling to help women find their voice and then step into their power. And I know Kathy's probably going to want me to not say this kind of stuff, but really like watching Kathy grow over the past eight years that I've known her has been so inspiring. Katie, why does this having women-owned businesses and supporting them and measuring your spend with them, why does it matter? Similar to what Kathy said, I've, I've worked at supplier diversity 
for over 10 years and I worked with these large corporations and the amount of money that's spent with women-owned business when we make up half the population is atrocious. It's ridiculously small and the barriers are real for women to scale their businesses up and all the rest of it. But I think, you know, sort of related to what Jasmine said, women are really great at building community. And so for me, it's very closely connected to my work around inclusive business models and circular business models. It's really about we need businesses to collaborate and women are great at collaboration. And I think women-owned businesses and women in general are really taking a lead on pushing forward on some of these areas in terms of building businesses that really work for people and planet while making a profit. And it can be done. And I think women are going to lead the way on it. I see it already. And yeah, similar to what Jasmine said, it's also inspiring to sort of be aligned with Kathy and, you know, who really uses her voice and has really found her voice and uses it to inspire other women-owned businesses, but also push the industry forward. And yeah, so just that sort of support that is real when women-owned businesses get together and collaborate is beyond the technical business case of diversity and innovation. That support is real and worth pursuing. I think that's a fantastic note to end on. Unless you guys have anything else that you'd like to add, anything that you want to point out in the report that is a highlight for you? I just have to commend the team here. Everyone's gelled together. I think we all share the same vision and they're really the heroes here. They're the ones who put it all together. It just so happens to be, you know, my face, but really it's not. The credit really goes to the team more than anything and how collectively we got together. I'm really proud of them and all that they put together. I do want to share, though, the day leading up to publishing it, I think PJ and Ashley wanted to kill me because I think we went through like 20 drafts and I was just going through it with such detail because I felt like we were getting naked to the world. I mean, we're sharing some pretty intimate data here. And it was nerve wracking. I mean, I think the ladies here can share how crazy I was. And I literally felt like we were lifting our shirts for the world to see. So I think by sharing this, what I'm hoping is to say, hey, it's okay to be vulnerable. That's another lesson that I've learned through this exercise is it is okay to be vulnerable because if you're vulnerable, then you're saying, hey, there's room for improvement. And you're vulnerable and you also care. If you don't care, you, you wouldn't feel nervous, right? That's what someone once taught me as I hate being on podcasts and speaking in public, but uh, everyone here knows how much I hate it. <laughs> but we keep pushing ourselves in uncomfortable situations and in comfortable places so we can grow. So I take the same philosophy to apply it to, you know, putting together an impact report. You're doing a great job and it's very apparent. Sounds like you're super humble, but you're a great leader and you have some great eyes watching you at Redwood. Thank you. We're pretty lucky. I will say one more thing about women-owned businesses and not just women-owned businesses, but my humble opinion, representation matters. And for me, that's why I've been so empowered to you know, not only find my voice, but start using my voice because it is about the future. When I look at Ashley and I look at PJ, who's a fresh grad, 
and see the future of all that they can accomplish and how much they've grown in just a short period of time, it gives me a lot of hope and it makes me really happy. Sorry if I'm getting emotional, but this is also what this powerful team to me represents and each of you that are on this podcast right now. We're fighting for the future. That's what we're doing together. We're leaving the world better than we found it and making sure, and that's what you're you're doing in that case. So if anyone wants to take a look, just head to redwoodclassics.net and the impact report is up there. And I suggest you follow them on social media at Redwood Classics just to see all the amazing stuff they do, plus amazing images of Canadian scenery, which can't get better. Thank you, Kathy, Ashley, PJ, Katie, and Jasmine for joining us and talking about this and setting the bar high for everyone out there to leave things better than they found it. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.